0: In the first opening raka'ah of Salat al There was a well-known verse which was recited where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us نحن نزلنا الذكر وإنا له لحافظون Most certainly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says we have revealed the Qur'an And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes the responsibility of safeguarding and protecting the Qur'an. The methodology that was implemented by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for the preservation of the Qur'an were of two types. One was protecting and preserving the Qur'an in the script, in the written form, and also by memorization. And this was something that was practiced on from the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa up to this day which in Arabic is called Tawatur we request the brothers kindly to maintain the, the sanctity of the masjid and remain silent please if the brothers could kindly remain silent while they are exiting the masjid Barakallahu feekum, may Allah reward you So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <coughs> has protected this Qur'an and the, the means that was used was from heart to heart. Among the signs of this ummah mentioned in the previous scriptures, that their scriptures would be engraved in their hearts and preserved in their hearts. And this in Arabic we call Tawatur, where in every generation there are so many people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has accepted to memorize and learn the Qur'an that it is impossible that they could have fabricated a plan to invent such a story that we received the Qur'an uh, without such a strong chain of transmission. Under the commentary of this particular verse, Imam Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, says that in Andalusia, there was uh, a calligrapher who was an expert in writing various languages. So he attempted to prepare the script of the Hebrew scriptures, and he adjusted many of the words therein. He prepared it very beautifully, decorated it, and then he took it to the followers of that particular religion. And he told them that this is what he has prepared. Is there anybody who uh, uh, would, would be interested in purchasing it? They looked at the external form of it and the beautiful script and the gold and the decoration, and immediately they were pre- prepared to purchase it. Then he went on to write the, 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 the scriptures of the, Christian, the Christians and Nasara. And he wrote it very beautifully in a similar manner and he took it to their places of worship after he had completed this task after adjusting also and and, uh, changing many of the words therein they too looking at the external form of the of the of the copy of that book purchased it and without a second thought it was sold and then he came to preparing the script of the quran in arabic and he tried to adjust it from surah maybe adding one word deleting a word here and there and he prepared it very, very beautifully. And he came to one of the masjids in Andalusia. And he said, I'm selling these copies of the Mushaf. Is anybody interested? So the, the regular Musallis came out and said, oh, it looks very nice. Let us have a look. And they looked open Surah Fatiha. They said, yeah, Allah, there's something missing here. Alif Lamim, Al-Kitab. There's something missing. They opened a few pages here and there to the surahs that they knew. And they saw that, that there's many words adjusted here. So the the first brother who opened the first copy, he said, Brothers, please just leave this copy. There's a whole lot of mistakes in here. Don't waste your time. It might look nice, but it's very dangerous. So Imam Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, says this was a sign to this individual that there's some hidden means of protecting and preserving the the Qur'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought into effect. And that is, through the hearts and the tongues of the ummah of of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has preserved the Quran And this is why the hafiz is so valuable And this is why constantly I remind our brothers Whenever I get a chance That let us not deprive ourselves From making the intention of becoming a hafiz. Even if we're not hafiz, Maybe we know a few surahs Or we know very little of the Quran But what stops us from making the intention That oh Allah I want to be a hafiz. So that on the day of Qiyamah, at least our names can be amongst those who have memorized the entire Quran. Is there anything that we will lose if you make the intention? If a person makes the intention, oh Allah, I want to be a Hafidh of the Quran. It might be difficult for me now, maybe age, maybe my health, maybe my memory. But there is the intention and I try to make the, uh, a practical effort to learn a little more of the Quran or recite a little more of the Quran on a daily basis. Inshallah, on the day of Qiyamah, this person will be raised as a Hafidh of the Quran. And the Hufad are the special people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen. They are very, very special because they are the ones who carry the Qur'an in their hearts. And they are the representatives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when they stand on the Musalla and they recite the Qur'an, it's easy to, to go for taraweeh, you know, and say, Hey, the, there was turbulence in the Tarawih today. You know, so the, the Imam was shaking. It's easy to stand in the back and do that. But try to come onto the musalla. This musalla, it doesn't belong to you and I. It belongs to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa So when you step here onto this musalla or go onto the mimbar, you are stepping onto a platform which belongs to Rasulullah sallallahu And when you stand here, you're not bothered about the people behind you. You're worried about what's happening inside. It's a whole different thing. You, you're looking at, at the place of salah, but you need to picture everything that you're reciting. The hafiz is the one who has memorized it. And now while he's reciting the words... He's picturing and visualizing the words that he's reciting. So if he makes a mistake here and there, and sometimes when the imam makes a mistake in tarawih, it's not necessarily his fault. I'm not saying they mustn't learn their work when they come for taraweeh. Otherwise the father will say, check, Mahana said, we don't have to learn, it's okay. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam once in his salah, there was a point where he was trying to remember a verse, and he was unable to remember the verse, and the sahaba assisted in, in that particular occasion. Then he turned around after Salah and said, some people, they do not perform their wudu correctly and adequately, and this has an effect on the Imam. So, so many times, the, 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 the mistake of the Imam is not the Imam's fault. It could be a mistake that we are making. This is a congregation. <coughs> Once, many, many years ago, alhamdulillah, when I, I uh, uh, performed Taraweeh in, in Cape Town, many years ago, it was uh, 1989. So I was a young boy. And I went to visit one of my friend's father, who was was quite ill. So he told me, "My boy, how many people are there for tarawih when you're leading?" So I told him, "Uncle, you know, <clears throat> the first few nights, Alhamdulillah, we have a good crowd, and then after you know four or five nights, it gets a bit less, and then we just have two or three sufuf." So he told me something until till this day I remember it. He said, "My boy, rather have a few suf of people behind you." Knowing that the rest of the sufuf are filled with mala'ika that are happy to stand to to perform salat to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then have a masjid full of people complaining. Rather have one suf and then the other 20 sufuf are full of mala'ika that are praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're listening to your recitation. Then having 20 sufuf full of people and they say, yeah, the imam is pulling, he's reading. We complain about the pulling and the reading long and then we'll stand outside and talk. or we will go and have coffee at the different venues at our disposal, I'm not objecting to it. I'm just saying that sometimes we have strength, uh, you know, we have less strength for the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in comparison to what we have for the mundane things of, of this world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the understanding. So we need to value and, and appreciate the, the, the sacrifice made by the Huffaz in the various venues, the various masajid where they are performing the Salat tarawih. This is a great achievement that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a person. Imagine we are a person reciting the Qur'an is reciting those words which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa recited from Jibril alayhi wa In the month of Ramadan, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa would recite and rehearse with Jibril alayhi wa and Jibreel alayhi wa would recite back unto him. So whatever was recited by Jibril alayhi wa sallam was recited by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the best recitation the best place for tarawih is the place where the quran is recited in the best manner in accordance to the sunnah uh, this uh, mentality that we have developed and i apologize i do not wish to offend anybody it is just sharing some uh, of my own feelings and uh, some points that we need to uh, take into cognizance and that is that just uh, skimming over the over the words and flying over the letters you know without even even the Hafidah also he just closes his eyes And he starts And wherever he starts He needs help Otherwise he just carries on And then he goes into Ruku' This is among the signs of Qiyamah Some of the Sahaba used to say That one of the signs of Qiyamah Is you'll find a congregation وَيَكُونُ هَمُّهُمْ <السُورَة> When they're performing Salah and they're waiting for, the, for the, the end of the Surah to come And the Sahaba radiallahu anhum And they stood in Taraweeh They said Na "Umar Umar الله عن, Got everybody together for 20 raka'ats In the Masjid And they stood for Taraweeh the hadith state that they used to keep sticks with them because of the length of the raka'at so that they can recline a bit on the on the on the on the, on, the, on the walking sticks, so that they don't fall over. So the twenty rakaats of, of salatul tarawih is is also something. In fact, salatul tarawih, the word tarawih, it comes from the word rahatun. raha means to rest. So we what we are actually supposed to be doing is performing four rakaats of salatul tarawih and then having a break, maybe some zikr, and maybe have some water. And then, the brothers are looking at me like I'm talking Chinese. And then, the next four rakats. in fact, in the time of the the tabi'een, or in the second century of Islam, the people of Mecca and Medina used to compete with one another. So, somebody told the people of Medina that, you know, in Mecca, after every four rakats, they make tawaf. That was the raha. that was the rest they were taking. They made the four rakats of taraweeh, then they would make one tawaf, seven circuits around the Kaaba. So the people of Medina said, hey, we, we can't, uh, there's no place for tawaf in Medina. So they added four more rakats. After every four, they added four. So they used to make 36 rakats of tarawih. And we're it down to eight. Okay, if you're doing it out of tire, fatigue or whatever, that's a different thing. But to justify and say that 20 is wrong, now that's another story. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us this great ni'mah to listen to the entire Qur'an, to be able to hear the entire Qur'an. is a ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah give us a tawfiq to understand the value of this ni'mah. The next surah which was recited, a very, very beautiful surah. It's called surah al-Nahl, the surah of the, of the bee. In it is mentioned of, of, of the bee and, and, and how it takes its time to find high places to prepare its honey. Another name for the surah is surah al niam the surah which... Which enumerates many bounties of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. The one verse right in the beginning, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says, amongst the bounties that Allah has given us, والخيل والبغال والحمير لتركبوها horses, and mules, and and donkeys, لتركبوها that you may mount them and use them as your transportation, وزينة and a means of adornment, ويخلق مالا تعلمون. And Allah says, and Allah will create that which you do not know. So imagine the Sahaba, they're being told this. And the Mufassirin say a beautiful, amazing selection of words. The first word of this verse, Wal Khail. Khail is one of the names of a horse. The word Hisan is also used. The word Faras is also used. There's over 100 names for a horse. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used the word Khail. And the ulama Quram say that the word Khail comes from the word Khayal. Khayal means a person's impression and image of himself, his ego. So that mode of transport, which has an effect on the the image of of himself. When he's he's on that transportation, he feels feels good. So in those days, between a mule, a donkey, a camel, and Arabian stallion, on which one obviously we we can think for ourselves that the Arabian horses which now go even into the millions, uh, some years back in P.E., there was an Arabian uh, horse that was purchased. Its name was San Joaquin. It was brought to South Africa. And when it was brought, it was so expensive that Mercedes-Benz, they said, no, oh, no, we want to welcome it. So they parked all the most expensive Mercedes-Benz to welcome the horse. Because the horse was m- more valuable than all those cars together. So al khail Allah used the word For a mode of transportation, and this word is applicable till the day of Qiyamah. Maybe, I mean, not not only those days, but even now, like I said, the horses are more valuable. But any mode of transport within the normal common acknowledgement and understanding of our community, which makes a person feel that, alhamdulillah, you know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying that. It's just that the, the word applies to that mode of transport as well. It has an effect on on a person. And then you have the average transportation. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had a mule that he used also, and he also had Qaswa, he had a white she-camel that he used when he made hijrah to Medina Munawwara, uh, and the Sahaba wanted him to to reside in in, in their homes, and each one was grabbing the reins of of Qaswa. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Da'ha fa-innaha ma'mura. Leave her, she she is instructed by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala where to go, and she stopped in front of the house of Sayyidina Abu Ayyub al Ansari. So he had two modes of transport, one for long distance also, and the internal transportation, which was the, the mule, or the, the simple mode of transportation. The point, here, respected brothers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave such a beautiful word. One word which will last till the day of Qiyamah, that there are those type of transportation which has an effect on the, on, on the person who, who rides them. And then Allah says, Allah will create those type of things which you don't know, O sahaba whether it be transportation, the type of ships that we have, or the types of planes that we have, and the modes of transport that we do use, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives an indication to that. So there are many such indications, I'm not going to go into all of them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions about uh, how he has subjugated the ocean, that you may eat and consume from it pure pure meat, And then you, you take from the ocean those type of jewelry or adornments that you use as 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 jewelry and forms of beautifying yourself and i'll just conclude on this i went past my time i think i got two or three minutes left uh, once i was uh, traveling and uh, i was in jamaat and this uh, one in uh, nigerian brother was with me but he was from australia and uh, he was an en- a chief engineer in one of the, the shipping for one of the shipping companies in Australia. So he told me some time back he worked uh, for a company that used to harvest pearls, right? And he would stay for, for months out at sea. But what they do is they, they've got three ships, and these ships dock outside the places where they feel it's suitable to harvest the pearls. And then they, they use the old shells of, uh, what you call that, huh? Um, the oysters, yeah, the oysters, right? They, and they, they, they crush it and they make it, make it into small small balls. And then they dissect the oysters that are healthy and they insert that because the pearl is actually the formation of a protective coating around some foreign object that enters the oyster. So they intentionally put the, the, the foreign object into the oyster. So now over, then they put it back into the sea. And for about two or three years, that oyster now... It, it develops that protective coating which in reality is the pearl that is forming in that oyster. So he said uh, two years with this ship and another two years and another two years to harvest it again. And it says, I, I said, what happens after they've taken the pearl out? They say they put another thing and they put it back. Shame the poor oyster. The ones you eat in the restaurant is the one that must have went through a whole long procedure of uh, being dissected but this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the, 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 the beautiful adornment which comes from the ocean. Allah says, we've given you those things in the ocean which you use to beautify yourself and use it for purposes of, of jewelry. Allah says, wa in la And most certainly if you try to enumerate the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will be unable to do so. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq to thank him continuously for all the bounties that he has given us, those bounties within us, those around us the bounty of iman, the bounty of Islam, the bounty of being in the ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst the grateful servants of his and make us amongst those who are successful. Wa akhiru da'wana Anil rabbil